0: To today's MAR colloquium, The Future of Records Management, presented by Bill Monago. Bill is a very good friend and an excellent partner on a number of committees that uh, we enjoy serving on and uh, Bill is a CRM, Certified Records Manager, and he's Director of Records and Information Management Practice for CA. He can explain a little more about that later on about his, his um, responsibilities. But what I'm excited about and what I think you heard Lori say she was excited about is that Bill was one of the people instrumental in developing uh, the DOD 5015.2 standard, the design criteria standard for records management applications. And so a little later on in the presentation, he's going to talk to you about that. If you have any questions, Bill's the one that can answer them. So Bill, I'll turn the uh, presentation over to you now. And um,
1: thank you for inviting me to uh, participate in the conference uh, today. Um, I am very grateful to have this opportunity to address the, the audience. Um, I'm going to do things a little bit different. This presentation I presented earlier this summer uh, at a government um, conference in the D.C. area. So the slides were, slid- or, or were developed, you know, with that audience in mind. So there was a government uh, government based audience, and uh, so there's a lot of references to, you know, federal requirements and to narrow uh, regulations and policies, but uh, that's just the way it is for now. Um, But I want to speak to you today about the future of records management, and I'm going to try to to give you that perspective from three different uh, vantage points, one as an end user, one as a records manager, and then also uh, from a technology perspective, so from like the IT side of the house. So what does the future host for records and information professionals um, and what does that mean if you are an end user and what does that mean if you are a records manager or soon to be one and what does that mean if you're on the IT side of the house and how, that, how will that impact you?
2: So like Pat says, I am a records manager. Um, But after I've attended a number of ARMA sessions over
1: the last couple of years, the Armored International, the chapter meetings, and even the the MER, the Managing Electronic Record Sessions uh, or uh, conferences in Chicago,
2: I began to wonder as a record manager, am I relevant? You know, back in the early 1990s and before then, As a record manager,
1: I was very, very relevant in my organization. I was basically the, the, my my agency's expert on records management it's it's, you know, it's me. Or there may have been one or two other people in the, in the department. So in my agency, documents that were bought to me, well, documents that needed to be managed as records, they were bought to me. I classified them or categorized them, and I managed them as records. And I also controlled access to them. Um, now that they were under my, my custodial responsibilities as, as, a, as the records manager, okay. I performed all the appraisals in my organization and then I coordinated the, the retention schedules for our records with, the, with NARA and, and with the department in my organization as far as their operational needs uh, and the retention from an operational point of view, okay. But I did most of my work, you know, was back office. I was in the basement, and literally I was in the
2: basement. But still, I was relevant. Also, during that time frame, you know, in the early 1990s
1: and before, the tools of the trade that we used as record managers, you know, they hadn't changed all that much. But back then, obviously, we had record categories or record series. Uh, we had our organizational file plan and our retention schedules, or the disposition schedules as NARA refers to them, okay? And like I said earlier, you know, I coordinated our our retention schedules uh, within our our agency and with NARA. But I was still doing all of this, you know, from a back office, you know, from my,
2: my office in the basement. But like I said earlier, I was relevant in my organization. During that time frame, documents, were created by hand, so there weren't a
1: whole lot of them, you know, as compared to the the number of documents being created today. Typewriters were dominant on the scene. Word processes were not yet common. And maybe about 80 to 90% of my agency's information that was published, you know, met the definition of a record. So 90% of my agency's information, published information, printed information, met our organization definition of a record, then it was my job, my responsibility to manage that information. This so happened that most of it back in that time frame was in the form of paper. So my job was to manage paper records, okay.
2: And if it was a record, they printed it, they signed it, then they gave it to me and I stored it. Back in that time, the early 1990s and before, to me, life was good. Records management was simple. Unless you happen to be this guy. Okay, so let's move forward a little bit into the early two thousands to about the middle of two thousand.
1: During that time frame, the entire world had an information explosion, or we we've all experienced an information explosion. Now word processors are online and everybody's work production increased. Remember we're supposed to be moving towards this uh, paperless office and uh, being able to do everything online and being able to share and and, uh, collaborate on on documents without actually having to print them and, you know, physically redistribute them. So the volumes of records and volumes of documents just really exploded during that time frame, okay? And um, records now could be transferred back and forth on computers, you know, people did not
2: need to print them and bring them to me as the records manager, you know, to s- safely store them. And also email, 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 and more email.
1: So I won't re- really take the time to define to emails. I think everybody's used to uh, email systems, and you know, you all have your own definition of what an email system is, but. Majority and an overwhelming amount of, uh, of messages, um, the transactions that go on between companies and in between companies, um, have been documented in email. And email has replaced probably all other you know business means of communications since they came on the scene. They replaced the telephone system. They replaced fax systems, and they replaced uh, snail mail. And uh, but. This is, you know, we're looking at the mid-2000s when email was like the thing, the latest buzzword.
2: Now, of course, if you think about today's world, email is becoming passe. In the middle of the 2000s, this information explosion meant
1: there were records, there were documents created, stored on C drive. On shared drives, and obviously in emails, uh, people were writing these things off to CDs and DVDs, and they sometimes they were even able to create records on their PDAs. But now you know the advent of flash drives and home computers. so um, our our employees at our agencies were not only creating these records when they're at work on the computer systems, they're also able to com- to create records and even to access records when they're at home using home computers because they can, they can log on online or even when they're traveling with the use of uh, the smartphones that we have today and, and PDAs uh, back in that time frame. So the adage that we used to have, you know, if it's a record,
2: print it, sign it, and then give it to me and I'll store it, that wasn't working anymore. So during this time frame, which is about the middle of the 2000s, Traditional
1: records management, could not keep up with the volume of new records, you can't get by with having a records management staff of one to two or three people um, being the only ones in the organizations with the responsibilities of number one, recognizing that a document is a record and then number two, declaring that document as a record and classifying it or assigning it to the right, you know, record series, Um, that just, Cannot happen anymore because of the
2: because of the huge volume of records that are being created on a daily basis, and especially in email. So, what was the solution? Okay, um, in the mid 2000 actually, it had actually
1: started before then because the DoD standards uh, began. Initially, you know, back to 95 and uh, the, the, the standard itself was published in 97 and we we uh, certified our, the first two vendor products, you know, in 99 and 2000. So by the, the mid-2000s electronic record keeping applications or ERAs or electronic record keeping systems um, were coming online and they were being mass produced by some of the larger records management vendors. But the documents that um, told those vendors what kind of tools, what kind of support they needed to develop to support records management uh, uh, functions and policies and procedures, um, there were basically four documents that uh, were being published around this time frame, you know, from the late 1990s uh, into the mid, the 2000s. And they're listed here. Obviously, one, it would be the DOD 5015.2 standard. We're now up to DOD 5015.02 and it's version 3. And that was, you know, created right here in in the good old US US of A. Uh, Over in Europe, the model model requirements for the management of electronic records, uh, the short name for that is MOREC, was developed uh, a couple of years after the DOD 5015.2 standard was published. And uh, it was, you know, it, it grew out of or grew from or, you know, was published on top of the 5015.2 standard. And then in Australia and um, in the uh, Australia and New Zealand and those areas, the, the Victorian Electronic Records Strategy, short name BEARS, was published. And then the United Kingdom, they had their own version of, uh, of a records management standard that was published by their public records office, which was part of their national archive. And now the public records office, you know, since the United Kingdom is
2: part of uh, uh, Europe, you know, the European Union, that standard has been replaced,
1: I guess, with the the MOREC standard.
2: So the solution to
1: bridging from the traditional practices that we use to manage records, uh, physical records, paper records, um, until how we were able to do now with what we're doing today to manage records in electronic format. That solution came about as a result of these these four standards, and then the the vendor products were able to develop um, the electronic record keeping system, and we used that to sort of solve some of the problems that we were seeing in the middle of the, in the in the middle of the 2000s, uh, based on this huge
2: amount of records that were being. Uh, generated by companies and organizations. You know, we, we sort of came to realize at that, that same time frame that, you know, it's the user who creates or receives
1: the records, they're the ones that best know the content of the record. And therefore, they're the ones that should make the determination if that document is a record, if that email that they sent or they received is a record. And based on your knowledge of the contents of that document or record or even email, you know, should it be declared as a record? Should it be managed as a record? Should it be set aside? And if so, where should it be classified? Where where should it be filed into the, uh, the record series in our file, file plan? Okay. And then we also thought maybe they're the best people to add the metadata that might be needed to describe the records and to control access to the records and, even to be able to find, you know, to search and, and find those records. It was, in the early days it was very easy to follow a record away in the electronic record keeping system but not find it or not easily find it because you forgot some of the attributes like uh, what were some of the keywords that were in there or if I spelled the word wrong, like in the subject, and then I searched against the word
2: with the correct spelling, uh, you know, the software is looking for an exact match so it won't find my record. So what we decided to do basically as an industry and on
1: the vendor side and as record managers in our records management profession, we sort of shifted the burden of records manager, of records management to the end user, okay. So it was the end users now who made the decision whether a document was a record. It was the end user who did the record declaration. It was the end user who did the classification. It was the end user who filled out the metadata, okay. But my role, you know, still kind of relevant. I'm still in the back office, okay, but now my job was changed more into or my responsibilities uh, changed, okay. I was now responsible for developing those agency-wide records management policies and procedures that these end users had to use and had to be trained on so they would know how, you know, what to do when they did their roles as, uh, as record managers. So I became responsible for for creating those policies and then training our staff on those policies. However, my office was still down there in the basement, but that was the focus of my job, my daily life was training and then implementing the policies and then maybe, you know, checking
2: up to see that people are actually following the policies. Now in today, you know,
1: 2009, 2008, we can sort of look back over the last four or five years and, you know, let's just do a little self-evaluation here or internal evaluation and internal assessment of records management in our company and our organization. So how well was this records management training that every employee had to go through, how well was that? How was the training? Was it well received? Did they understand? Were they able to determine, you know, what's a record and what's not a record? and where they're able to fulfill their responsibilities to declare those documents that are records, okay? And, you know, the, over a couple of year, over the last couple of years, there's been some statistics on that, but I'm afraid to say those statistics are not very good, at least on the government side. You know, the, the government accounting office in the United States government, federal government, um, has published two studies. they publish a study annually, so for 2007 and 2008 to 2009 studies, not out yet. But the 2007 and 2008 studies were very, very bleak. They painted very, very bleak pictures of records management in government agencies. By large, you know, there's an overwhelming majority of the government agencies were not really fulfilling your duties of capturing these records. And especially the higher you were, you were up in the chain, the less you did. It was the lower people in the chain um, who took their responsibilities diligently, but the more senior people than government agencies, I guess probably looked for other people to, you know, junior to them or subordinate to them to, to do that for them. But overall, um, the senior managers in federal agencies and, um, the, you know, the senior people that are political appointees, they did and they have been doing a very, very lousy job of um, managing the records that their agencies you know, should be creating and should be capturing and should be um, sustaining or maintaining,
2: particularly those records that, you know, fall in the category of being permanent. And then uh, within the last couple of years, our records management world, our, our world, all of our world as record managers, I mean, was just totally rocked by another new technology. So oh, in the latter half of the 2000s, we're talking 2006, 2007,
1: 2008, A couple of new things came on the scene, some of them procedurally and some new technology, we'll talk about those now. The first is the uh, Federal Rules of Civil Procedures, FRCP. Probably most of you have heard about that. That introduced the concept of electronically stored information, ESI, okay. And that has caused a major hiccup or major bubble or, stumbling block or roadblock in the records management of community in the records management world. Okay. But, uh, and also, and you know, even now with the, the new president in the White House, President Obama, there's been increasingly a push for more government transparency, an increasing number of uses of FOIA requests and, and Privacy Act requests, requesting for records and requesting information based on FOIA and privacy, the FOIA and the Privacy Act law. And and all our government transparency is based upon the government being able to provide records of their activities to our taxpayers or our citizens that have the right to know what these government agencies have been doing, how how our taxes have been spent. So as the American population has become uh, more aware of what the government is doing um, and start requesting more information in the forms of records, that's the huge load and burden it's on the government agencies to produce those records. Uh, There's kind of a couple of ways to look at that. If they aren't capturing those records and managing those records, then they don't have them, you know, to be able to um, answer a FOIA request. But that's not the answer. The answer is they are required by law to capture those records and to maintain those records and then be able to produce them in response to a FOIA request. So records became even more important to government agencies, especially those, like we said before, those records that were uh, generated in the forms of email, But after the uh, Federal Rules of Civil Procedures were um, published, then the terms record management and legal compliance really became inseparable. And we've always had like a compliance issue that was part of records management. You know, there was a legal requirement to keep records There was a financial requirements, there was an operational requirement, um, but there was a regulatory requirements and that was our legal uh, requirements, our legal compliance. So if there was some government regulation, some government policy that says, you know, to to your organization that you need to keep these kinds of records for this amount of time um, because there was a legal requirement for them. So in effect, the definition of a record became blurred with discoverable. Now, that doesn't come from our legal compliance, but that comes more from the FRCP um, and the e-discovery e, you know, e um, that resulted from, from that. And that became basically like its own industry now over the last couple of years. So when it comes to discovery, when a judge issues a order, a court order to an, to an organization or an agency and says, you know, produce all the records about whatever the subject is, and between whatever the date time frame or the date range is, um, that order didn't say produce all the records. That order says produce all the information that you have about that topic, okay. So the definition of a record which really was a subset of our agency's data or agency's information really became blurred because discoverable was everything, records and non-records. And it soon became clear to agencies You know, we've got to start applying records management principles to those non-records, you know, just so we can survive in the ESI world, just so we can manage discovery um, and be able to repeat discovery, you know, without having to pay for
2: it, you know, each and every time there's a, a new lawsuit. So, am I a records manager? Yes. Am I still relevant? Well, that
1: depends on who you ask, okay. Um, So if I go and sit down to IT or if you sit down with IT or if you sit down with the legal department, they may be looking at a person, this new person that came on the scene called the risk manager. And maybe in the legal department, in the IT department, the risk manager seems to be the person who's more relevant than the records manager. The The senior staff in the IT department and the legal department They kind of still look at us, as record managers being those people that handle papers. We handle boxes, we handle folders and, you know, we arrange for documents to be back and forth between, um, uh, you know, our off-site storage facility, whether it's internal or external to the company. That's what they think of us. They don't think of us when it comes to managing emails, when it comes to managing, you know, files that are on C drives and shared drives. So they don't think of us when it comes to, you know, how do we know what's in that ESI and where the, where the ESI is being stored, okay? And they don't think of us when they have to come up with uh, uh, a means to search and retrieve records in response to a e discovery request, okay? So how relevant am I in my organization?
2: Again, that depends on who you ask and what do they think of us as a profession. All right, um, let's take a look at this cause
1: I think this is some, has some very meaningful data which has a huge impact or I think already has had a huge impact on our profession. And this data came from FutureWatch which is a records management uh, blog and website over in the, in the UK. And I sort of subscribed to that blog but uh, this, is, this is probably about a year, a year and a half so old but when I saw that it, it hit me and I, and I I've captured this information and and have used it, cited it over and over again in
2: uh, a, a lot of different presentations that I've been making. Forty years ago, records were 80, up to, you know,
1: somewhere between 80 and 90 percent of an organization's information store. You know, back then, records, documents, they were hard to produce. You know, you had to type them, okay, or they were handwritten. But the ones that, that were typed or handwritten were documents that actually met the definition of a record, and that was the majority of it. There was a few drafts that got tossed out, but the majority of the published documents, handwritten or typed, were records. And that, that, that you know, that included about 90% of the, of the agency's information store. And then if you go about 20 years, you know, in, in the future from that point in time, that number fell down to about 60% of an organization's information store were records. Okay, that means 40% of the organization's information store that stuff that's out there on the C drives and shared drives and, and in email systems weren't records, and they weren't being managed by anybody. You know, the 60% that were managed that were records, uh, hopefully were being managed by the records management department. But the 40% the, of the agencies Informations that were non-records, were not being managed by anybody. Now, uh, 10 years ago, if we just go back 10 years in the future, we see that that number has fallen down to about 30%. So now only 30% of our organization's information still meets the definition of a record, okay. So that obviously means 70% of that stuff out there
2: are non-records.
1: So the records management principles and records management tools, records management processes are not being applied to about 70% of of an agency's information store. That's a lot of information
2: and that's where there's a lot of risk. That, and that's all that ESI. Now today uh, the the
1: estimates are that only about 5% of an agency's total information holdings are you know, meet the, our official definition of a record. That obviously means that, the, you know, that other 95%, all that, ni- all that ESI, all those nine records, think about the risk that's sitting in that data. And most organizations, most agencies don't have a handle on what's in, what's in those data stores, what's out there on the ESI repositories or in our ESI containers, you know, on the shared drives and the net, network drives and on people's C drives and even on their their smartphones. So what's in that? How much of that information is risky? And is it possible to apply records management uh, uh, practices to that information? Which means, you know, we can locate it, we can find it when we need it, we can produce it when we need it, but it also means we can dispose of it when it's no longer needed. Now we have that in our records management systems but can we apply those
2: principles to that all that other 95% content that's sitting out there in these various ESI containers? Okay, so let's uh, take a look at where we were and where we're going. And I guess maybe before I do
1: that, Pat, this might be a good time to pause and see if there are any questions. What we've okay,
0: so far. Uh, if you'd like to ask a question, just uh, raise your hand, hit so that button on the left of the screen there, and I'll, I'll call on, on uh, two of you in order that you raise your hand. Uh, feel free to ask on anything that uh, Bill has covered
2: so far. Okay, well, I guess that means uh, everybody is
1: understanding what we've uh, been discussing so far. So I'll, I will look at that as being a good thing. Okay, so let's just move along. Let's take a look back in the rearview mirror now and take a look at and, you know, sort of assess what our past as record managers has have been uh, in the electronic world. We don't need to go back to the paper world, but just you know go back to the, the beginning of the 2000s uh, up to, up to today's date or up to, up to today's time frame, okay? Um, you know, the DOD standard, and MoRec and BEERS, um, when, when, when they were published, and the vendor community got a hold of those documents, and I, I, I guess I should add that the, the DOD standard, and MoRec and BEERS, and, and the PRO standard uh, that was published in, in the UK, they were written by record managers um, to design tools, you know electronic record keeping tools that we need to perform our back office functions. So they were written by record managers and they were written for record managers and they were, they were very in, instrumental in um, um, detailing to the vendor community, hey if you're going to create a and, and market and sell a records management application, a desktop application, an electronic record keeping system, this is the kind of stuff we needed to do for it, okay? So those standards led to the development of the electronic record keeping system that most of us, hopefully most of us have seen and use uh, in the last five or six years, okay? That's when they came on the scene. But, but they were desktop applications, so software needed to be um loaded on the individual users' desktops initially. Remember we were in the client server world back then. So there were clients and there were server machines and the they were the server machines were connected to the clients or our desktop uh, computers. And the software were resident on or the user's interface was were resident had to be installed on the desktop uh, machines. And then the databases and the actual software themselves were installed on the servers, and all the communications went back and forth between our desktop uh, um, workstations and then the the servers. And if the servers went down, you were just kind of out of luck,
2: okay? That's
1: what we had, and that's what we've been working with over, you know, the last five or six years. Those records management systems were predicated on the assumption that the end users are now going to be the record managers. So it would be the end users who will make the decision uh, should a document be declared as a record. It's the end user who's making the decision where to classify it, where to categorize it, okay. And then we have these, you know, these, you know, pretty much all of the, the top records management applications kind of look the same and did the same thing. And I think the vendors came at it with, you know, there's basically a one size fit all. We can give you an enterprise wide solution that would be able to handle all your records management the uh, um, processing procedures, you know, throughout the entire organization. But as we look over the last five or six years, we're seeing that that's not quite true, or that was not quite true. Um, and the desktop applications now are being replaced by web applications, which is better, because you don't need to load software. And there's not a heavy reliance on, you know, the servers and, and the connectivity between your workstations and the server, okay. We've also begun to realize uh, maybe it wasn't the best idea to to rely on the end users to capture records, at least in the government. Uh, Maybe that seems to be working in some of the commercial
2: sectors. But in the government,
1: uh, that that didn't seem to work out too well. Now, the one size fit all, okay? You know, can a record, for example, that was created in Word can be managed uh, as easily as a record that was created in SAP? Or in
2: um, you know some
1: really streamlined uh, business application system. Okay, so can was it is it possible to take a document that resulted from a business application and sort of grab that and move that over into the records management system? So the electronic records management systems in their original d- design in their initial design, was predicated upon that. It was like, well, you know, we expect to be able to grab the output from the business applications and move that into our record repositories, where we can now manage them as records and apply all the, you know, uh, apply retention and access controls and everything else. Well, over the last couple of years, I think we're beginning to realize, and I think industry has realized, and the vendor communities have realized, uh, that doesn't necessarily work. So now we're looking, we're moving away from that and we're looking at um, managing records and capturing records in place. That's a new buzzword that you're going to be hearing now is managing things in place and there's a federated approach to doing that. Uh, Which means you can manage the records in the same application that created them in the same location where those, those, the applications um, store their output. but at the same time apply records management controls to those documents that have been, uh, you know, declared as records. So we're moving, there's a shift on the vendor side, on the technology side um, in that area. But now in the future, okay, if we don't rely on the end user to be our records manager, who is now going to be our new records manager? You know, it, you know, 30 years ago, it was us, it was two or three of us in an organization. Well, we couldn't keep up with all those emails that came out, and with all the documents that uh, rolled off the document management system, the document content system, the ECM system. And now we're realizing that the end users and the authors of those documents and the authors of those emails, they can't keep up with their records management capabilities. So if the, if the small records management staff can't do it, if we can't count on the end users to do it, maybe we now we need to take a look at software. I mean, software got us into this trouble in the first place. Software enabled this huge records management or the records explosion that we we have to live with. So now maybe we need to take a look at software to solve some of the problems that the software <laughs> turned out to have to created for us. So now we're looking at auto capture capabilities where the software will automatically capture documents that meet the definitions of records, and you have to train the software to recognize that and to do that. And there's a number of ways of doing that, but you know, some of them is like rule rule-based. Okay. Another um, direction that we're moving into in the future, in the near future, is auto-classification. You know, we're able to, you know, basically crawl through content on, on shared drives and emails, stores, and Basically, you know, um, summarize the the content of the document and then classify it against the organization's classification schema and then auto-classify it based on that comparison, okay? So auto-capture and auto-classification. Probably going to be the new wave of the future, the next wave of the future, and get the end users out of the business of deciding bits of record and then, you know, going through the manual declaration process, okay? And then finally, um, we're probably going to have to look at software again to generate the metadata and append the metadata to those auto-captured records that will be needed to define uh, records
2: and you know, when you search and, you know, be able to search and retrieve records when you need to find them. The biggest thing on the horizon, and it's probably no longer on the
1: horizon, and if you were at ARMA 2009 in uh, Orlando, then you've heard all about this and you've learned all about this. And I wrote these slides before then, and the big buzzword prior to that was Web 2.0, but now the big buzzword is cloud, and cloud technology, and cloud computing, and records management in the cloud, and the the impact of records management in the cloud. so now we need to take a look at this. And, as records managers, these, these probably are going to be our greatest challenge in the next you know, two or three years. What is the impact of cloud computing on records management? What is the impact on documents and records that were created and stored off our premise, outside our firewalls, not on our network? You know? How do we handle those if they're records? But they're being hosted externally, you know, by a third party. How do we handle those? If all this was done wireless, you know, through wireless in in connectivity, you know, how do we grab it and move
2: it inside our firewall if it's not ours? So this year and next year, I think these are the challenges right in front of us, okay. Mobile and wireless devices. If we take a look at our you know records management theory records management practices traditional
1: record management processes we may need to throw those out you know when we've taken in, take into account the advent of, of mobile and wireless devices okay these mobile devices smartphones they don't necessarily communicate with an agency's information system you know they you know we get them from at and t or Verizon or somebody and uh, you know they they're on networks outside of our, agency, our agency's network. They're on, they're on networks outside of our firewall, okay? And if we use those things to create records and store records, uh, what does that mean to the records manager? What does that mean to assigning retention? What does that mean to disposition processing? What does that mean to destruction when they're, they are no longer needed for business purposes or whatever the regulatory purpose is, okay? So now, here's the question, for those records that were, that used to be created in fixed locations, like inside our offices, okay, but they're now being created not in fixed
2: locations and outside of our offices, what does that mean to records managers? With today's mobile devices and today's smartphones, Our employees can create records, they can retrieve and process records, they can
1: transfer information, they can store information, they can disseminate information, they can use information, they can share information, and even you know if they've got delete rights and delete capabilities, they can even delete information on their mobile devices. And that information is about our company, maybe about business processes but it was never incorporated inside our firewalls, but still our employees are able to, you know, access third-party systems and hosting systems where they're able to create and process and,
2: and possibly even delete records. That is a major issue. So where are we now, okay? There aren't any established rules for, records in the cloud, there aren't any
1: established standards, there's no established best practices. I mean, we're in the infancy stages of this now. You know, some certain um, some agencies, particularly the government, are just beginning to grapple with this. They're just beginning to, you know what, we need to document some, um, some rules, some do's and don'ts for our employees. Uh, initially, some agencies were saying like, okay, social media, forget it, you know. It cannot be used at all for business purposes. But we've seen a shift over the last six to nine months uh, where it seems to be inevitable, you know. I think agencies are going to have to come on board with social media because the rest of the world has and all their employees have. And so you might as well get on board because if you try to restrict them uh, from, from using it in their professional settings, you know, they'll find a way around it, okay. So we need to wrap our arms around it as record managers and establish some do's and don'ts, and establish some best practices, and establish some standards. And we need to do that in a hurry. Right now the technology is ahead of us, and as records management professionals, we need to catch up with the rules and standards and best practices, and instructions and guidance to our user base, okay. And and the fear is, you know, a large share of those records out there in the cloud, you know, they aren't going to be indexed, they aren't going to be identified, they aren't going to be captured, they're not going to be organized, they're not going to be described, basically they're not going to be managed, okay? And they may be lost and destroyed and if you've been reading um, some of the, the, the threads on the record management listserv, you can see some horror stories about uh, how data that's been stored by third parties in the cloud has been lost. And, uh, you know, the agencies can't get those back or even,
2: you know, individual subscribers can't get that information back. At least they haven't been able to so far. Uh, Earlier this year, I went to the
1: MER conference in Chicago, and I listened to a presentation put on by Dr. Ken Thibodeau at uh, NARA. And uh, the title of this presentation was, Can Records Management Find New Life in Cyberspace? And you can get a copy of this presentation from MER, or if you contacted me through Pat. Um, I've got a copy uh, that's okay with Ken for me to share with you. I'm going to read a direct quote from his presentation. And that was, uh, records managers need to deal cogently and comprehensively with the increasing permeation of digital information in the conduct of business. Now that's how Ken talks. That's how he thinks. And whenever I go to one of his presentations, I have to take a dictionary with me to try to keep up, you know, to understand what he's saying. But uh, to summarize, what his message was: as, as as record managers, we probably need to discard our old habits of thinking of you know record as that as that contextual document, you know whether it's paper or whether it's uh, virtual, whether it's electronic. Okay, but we've it's our practice now to if it's a paper record, you know we can grab it. If it's a, a record electronic format, we can grab that. And then we can move that into a, either a physical folder or to a virtual folder or a hybrid folder. And then from that location, we can apply our records management the principles and, and the processes to like retention and so on. But now with records out there in the cloud, can we still follow that same practice? Can we
2: still follow that same habit? Or do we need to rethink our methods now? Uh, records whether it's that physical record or whether it's the uh, virtual record, you know, the the notion of
1: fouling them, you know, being able to say, oh, they fit under this category. And we primarily did that to, to aggregate them for, you know, for management. So we keep all the like records together about the same subject um, and just so we can dispose of them at the same time. Rather than deal with individual records, we deal with collections of records. But when these things are out there in the cloud, you know, is there a file cabinet in the cloud or do we need to think of, you know, managing uh, records in the cloud differently or are we going to just move the file cabinet from our firewalls to outside our firewalls, okay. So we may have to change how, you know, what our understanding is of fouling to
2: relate to these records that are being created in, in cyberspace. Now in the past, you know, we exercised item level control of records,
1: I mean, we dealt with records one at a time. We look at a document and we say, okay, this individual document is a record. And then our next step was to, you know, declare it. We move it from where it was into uh, to the records management repository or the record repository where we can apply all our, our records management tools to it, okay. And then sometimes we would aggregate them and move a higher folder across or a collection of records but we basically itemized, you know, records one at a time, an email and the email's attachment. And we looked at them as single entities and then categorized them and put them under records management control. Maybe that doesn't work in the cloud since there's so many, okay. Uh, but, But we took the individual records and we profiled them and we appraised them and then we linked them to business processes and then we aggregated them into folders and to boxes or, you know, in the physical world and virtual folders uh, in the electronic world, okay. Um, Should we still go about that process, that habit, you know, um, well, it's
2: really probably more than just a habit. But can we apply those procedures in the cloud? Do we need to rethink that? Now this is Dr. Ken again, okay. uh, the records management community, this us record man- records management professionals, we need
1: to develop new ideas about managing records that have multiple and simultaneous aggregations and arrangements. In the past, you know, we had that one record, okay, uh, in the cloud, that one record is not one record, it's, it's that one record, you know, it was a thought that was first, you know, added, like in a blog, and then people replied to the blog or, you know, there was a tweet and tweet, it was tweeted too, or there were tweets in response to the tweet. Uh, so it just goes on and on. So what's the record, you know? Those individual blogs, the individual tweets, the individual responses, or is the
2: whole thing the record, okay? So our way of uh, itemizing, you know, the individual records or the
1: individual transmissions, is, is that still applicable in, in, you know, today,
2: in today's world in the cloud? Alright. Now, when we started this presentation, as record
1: managers, you know, we were basically in the basement. You know, we we didn't have a seat at the table. But then once we moved um, records management responsibilities to the end users and our primary responsibilities became trainers and policy creators, and, uh, and th- our job was to audit the record management program in our organization, that, that gave us a voice, that gave us a seat at the, at the boardroom table. We now had a, you know, voice almost equal to IT and legal, and, uh, and that was because of risk management, okay? And with all the threats that were out there about, well, you know, if you can't find your records, you got to go to jail, or if you destroyed your records too soon, you got to go to jail. You know, that got a lot of CEOs' attention. So they turn to their records managers in a hurry and say, hey, uh, where do we stand here? What, I was, you know, what what shape is our company is when it comes to managing our records? That brought us to the boardroom, that brought us to the table. And I think, you know, a lot of us, you know, most of us have been successful in in fulfilling our responsibilities and our roles at the boardroom table. But you know what's going to happen now? When we were fighting in the past for visibility and a seat at the table, we're probably, are going to be wishing that we had, that we were less visible and, uh, and you know, be eager to give up our seat at the boardroom table. And not only that, I think technology is going to move to that, um, where it's going to be ineb- inevitable that records management is not, you know, a physical practice. Records management is not a desktop application that you log on to and, and you you manually have to, you know, enter keystrokes to do something to to declare a record. Uh, In the near future, records management is going to be a service, it's going to be an automated service, you know, that's under, like under the hood. When you're driving a car, you don't know all the workings of the engine, you just know that once you start the car and push the gas, you know, it, it, it works and it can get you to point A to point B. I think in the near future, and I'm talking about in the near, near future, the next, you know, year or two, Records management will no longer be a desktop application. It's going to be one of those underhood services that, that just happened. And, and users don't have to be cognizant of records management anymore. They don't need to be aware. And, and probably, you know, our role to train them and make them knowledgeable and make them aware. That's probably going to go away. And then if everything is being taken care of, you know, through means of automation, we may lose that seat at the table, unless we're still there for risk management and to be able to provide guidance when, you know, new applications are brought online, and what, how do they impact uh, records management? But the key thing is when our, our companies are discussing cloud and, um, you know, using third party forces, uh, you know, who's gonna speak up about um, what are the dangers here? You know, what are the security issues? What are the records management issues? That may
2: keep us at the table, if, we're,
1: if we are prepared to talk in that area.
2: So I think in the near future, records management is going to become invisible,
1: at least from an end user perspective. Software is going to take over. Software will be responsible for um, classifying records, for setting aside documents that need to be managed as records. Software will be used to automatically index things and and to automatically add the the appropriate metadata that's required, okay. And I think these desktop applications that we have in, you know, in our offices today, they're going to be replaced by SOLA um, uh, Records Management Services. And there's a new standard that's being, you know, it's probably very close to being published now um, by OMG, the Object Management Group. Um, And they were, um, they were contracted by, by NARA to develop it's known as the RMS standard, and uh, um, I happen to be one of the people that worked on that committee. But the RMS standard is like moving records management from the client-server world uh, into the service-oriented architecture, which really means, you know, it's all under the hood. It's gonna be web-based services. So when it comes time to declaring a document, you know, the one software, one piece of software with tech tool and another piece of software to do everything that needs to be done to bring that record under uh, records management control. And I don't think there's going to be a one-size-fit-all records management solution. I think there's going to be individual solutions built for, there'll be like a records management solution for SAP. There'll be another records management solution for your email system. There'll be another records management solution for, you know, your employee systems or HR systems that were built to work directly with, you know, the, business application, so it would become part of the business application or sit underneath or inside or maybe even on top of the business application. But there won't be a records management application that does all of this. Obviously, we're still going to need an interface where we can create our retention rules and we can create um, the file plan and, you know, the record series. But everything else that you see now, all will be handled by software and then these records management solutions will
2: be targeted to specific needs and not one thing fits all. Well, I think I've pretty much said all this already. Maybe I got ahead of myself a little bit. Okay. So now, at the end of this, yes, I'm a records
1: manager, okay, I do solve current problems in my, my organization. I do anticipate future problems like in the cloud, okay. And I've shown that I can adopt change the changes in technology over the last five or six or seven years, okay. And I'm going to need to keep um, demonstrating that. I've demonstrated that I can adopt the changes in mythologies met- and, and, and the best practices and, uh, re- you know, new emerging reference management procedures. Uh, I think I've demonstrated that I'm not tied to the past. I'm not a dinosaur. Um, I can handle records that are not in paper and not in file folders and not in boxes. So because of that, I am relevant and probably will remain relevant. especially when I get in, into the area of risk, risk
2: management, risk control, because, after all, I am a records manager. Okay, Pat. That concludes the um, the presentation. Well, I saw
0: many questions going by questions the now. screen rather rapidly as you were speaking. Uh, so there was a very good side conversation going on, and I hope now that a few of you will raise your hand and ask Bill what he thinks about some of those topics.
1: Well, uh, while they're gathering your thoughts, if anybody is going to end up with some questions, um, I do have a presentation. And I looked over, you know, the, the announcement for this one. And uh, the content of what I shared with you tonight doesn't line up exactly with the, the announced um, content of the presentation. Uh, but I do have a presentation that I did create that answered those questions. You know, like, what's the big bucket theory it's all about? Uh, that answer questions about the DOD or describe the DOD standards and those other standards, and I can uh, make that information available. I, I will send those slides over to you, uh, Pat, and if people really wanted to, because I know, you know, before the uh, presentation started, people were interested in hearing and learning about the DOD standard and the other standards. So I do have some slides, a, a slide deck that we can use so that we can share to uh, enlighten you on those areas, and, and perhaps, Pat, we can schedule another presentation where I actually do talk about, you know, NARA's big buckets of initiatives, uh, the DoD standard, and the other things that we advertised uh, in our present for our presentation tonight.
2: I see. You know, I hadn't been reading the. Um,
1: the comments that were, you know, rolling by on the screen, but like Pat, I noticed that they were all flying by on the screen, but I see that there is one question there about what are the skills needed, um, you know, for the records manager in the future, and that's an excellent question, and I'll just take a minute or two to answer that, and, and I see that Jesse's on here, and Jesse's probably can do a much better job than he probably already has on answering that question. But, um, you know, we're we're not in our own world anymore. When, when we when we we got our seat at the table, we needed to be able to react and to, you know, we need to be comfortable to sit down and have discussions with uh, people from the IT department and people from the legal department, and now people from this new risk management department, okay. So our skills, you know, beyond our records management skills, you know, the things that we need to learn about our profession as record managers and, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, the traditional records management, you know, And all that entails, and all of you that are are going to schools, you you certainly are aware of that. But that won't, I mean, that's not going to be sufficient. You know, in addition to that, I mean, obviously that's our base, and we we need that. You need to get a good handle on that. But when you get into the real world, and you're sitting down at the table in companies, you need to be able to hang in there with IT, you need to be able to talk intelligently with uh, people from IT department, otherwise they just will dismiss you. You need to be able to talk about risk um, when you're talking about the, you know, when you're talking to representatives from the legal department and you need to be able to share to, with all of them how you can help them, how records management practices and records management principles can be used to make the IT mission easier and uh, less costly in your organization. How records management principles can, make, principles, uh, can be applied to make e-discovery on the legal side easier and less costly for your organization. And then how records management principles, if you're applied appropriately, uh, can make or reduce risk management. So you have the ear of the risk managers. So, you know, conversation skills, writing skills, but just being able to speak IT to the IT people, just being able to to speak e-discovery to the legal people and being able to speak risk management and security the uh, risk, uh, you know,
2: uh, department in your in your agency will take you a long way in uh, in today's corporation.
0: Well, I thank you, Bill, for offering to provide the PowerPoint, uh, the presentation that you have, that will answer some additional questions, and uh, we'll follow the same procedure. I will send that along with the uh, with Ken's article when you send me that to uh, the instructors that can distribute to the te- uh, to their students, and then I will also send it to anyone that sends me directly an email um, as soon as I receive those. Uh, I'd like to thank you. Now I'm going to um, um, end this conversation. I know that we're just a little bit over time. I really appreciate your offer to come back again and speak specifically to those standards and I think we're going to take you up on that. So thank you very much, Bill.